This is Angela, and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the first episode in season two of Homestead Education. Mandy and Angela, of course, here and so happy that you are here with us. We are very excited and going to just kind of dive right in. A lot of us right now um, are really prepping and planning for the growing season in 2022. And if you've listened to the episodes we put out in season one, we did talk a lot about um, prepping your garden and kind of small container gardening and, and things like that. So if you haven't listened, listen to that because um, it's going to definitely help uh, when we talk today about how much food to grow per person. And I this can be like with a lot of things we talk about, not just necessarily with the garden, but in homesteading in general, a lot of folks feel like this is so daunting or they say, gosh, I don't have a ton of space. I only have six raised beds, for an example. Um, you know, how how much do I need to grow of this specific crop? And we could get so in depth with, you know, you know crop rotation and interplanting and things like that. But today, kind of just going to give a good overview um, and dive a little bit deeper on, okay, how many people you have in your family? Let's be able to do the basic math and how much food to grow per person with the space that you have. It's going to look different for everybody because we obviously don't garden in the same garden, um, but this will give you the, the tools that you should be able to figure it out. Yeah. So hi, Angela here. Welcome, welcome. Season two. Whoop, whoop. Um, so I think when people ask us this question, oftentimes they're hoping we can give them this black and white answer um, and give them a chart, asparagus, five to 10 plants per person. And we've got, we have that information in the show notes. We got all that. So take a look at that. And we'll talk about that here briefly as well. But Andy's totally right. Like we don't all grow in the same garden. So you're not going to be able to grow necessarily as many uh, beets as I can, depending on where you live. That's a bad example because that's pretty cold hardy. Tomatoes, okay? Or you may not have a greenhouse. And then the other thing is maybe you're not comfortable with preservation methods yet. You haven't gotten to that that point. So if you're not interested in canning all of your own tomato paste and tomato sauce, you're not going to want to grow 35 tomato plants like I do. So I know that it's just kind of frustrating to be able to say, well, it depends, but <laughs> it truly does depend. It's not the same for everybody. So here's, here's kind of where Mandy and I definitely agree you should start. What are you getting at the grocery store and how self-sufficient do you want to be? So if you are writing out your grocery list every single week and it constantly has tomatoes, tomato sauce, tomato paste, because you eat a lot of pasta, a lot of pizza, whatever, that's a good place to start. Can yep. you supplement just the fresh tomatoes? And you don't necessarily have to go all in and say, I'm going to can all the tomato sauce as well. But what can you start replacing? And I think that's going to give you an idea, at least a visual of the frequency of what you're eating and the quantity of what you're eating, right? Yeah. I mean, even now when I, so we're in the depths of winter, um, it's January, the end of January. When I go to the grocery store now, 
um, when we're getting, I'm doing air quotes, I'm saying fresh produce because, well, you know, I have some opinions about fresh produce in Missouri grocery stores in January, but you know, like, um, a zucchini or a cucumber, for example, if you want to put it in a salad or whatnot. I, I always look at those things. I'm like, how can I make it better for next year? I'm trying to source these things um, and at any time of the year. It's just, I think it's a little bit more glaring in the winter months when we're not gardening. But yeah, look at your grocery list. What do you, what do you always cook with? What do you all, you know, onions, garlic, those types of, like tomatoes are a great example. I think anybody can grow a tomato. I, I know you can. Um, so it is a perfect example to kind of just roll with for this episode. But looking at what you're constantly using um, is is the place to start. Yeah. And then from there, sort of saying, what am I eating on a weekly basis to what do I want to have extra of so that I can freeze it, can it? And then from there saying, well, do I want to grow any extra on top of my own needs, be it fresh eating or storage, to share with others by way of food donations, selling at a farm stand. Mandy grows a shit ton of her butter crunch and bib lettuces. Loves to share those massive heads of lettuce on our Instagram account. You go there, you're going to find a picture of that lettuce within a couple seconds. It's we like- love it. It's just so good. But you and, know it's, and it's huge and it's productive and it works well for you. And it's like state fair, blue ribbon, heads of lettuce, bigger than the size of our heads. That grows well for Mandy. So then it also comes down to, okay, when you realize you want to grow a lot of lettuce, like what's the variety that's going to be reliable for you? And you sort of get into the nitty gritty, what, you know, as a result of that experimentation. Yeah. I mean, again, we could get so super deep with all of this. It all, you know, it kind of goes back to what we a little bit talked about, you know, in episodes in in the first season, picking appropriate crops and varieties for your zone, things like that. Um, But, you know, we, and also eating seasonally Mm -hmm. and growing seasonally. We always, you know, people talk about eating seasonally all the time. You hear that saying a lot in like the farming, home setting, whatever community, but you should grow seasonally as well. What can you grow in, you know, larger quantities for that certain period of time where those, you know, beans, for example, can't grow beans all the time, Um, but they're very fast and easy to grow. They require no preparation. You just plop that seed straight in the ground um, you can do it again in, a, in another spot two weeks later, and you're going to have a massive quantity that you can freeze or can or do whatever during those periods of time. So it it is dialing it all the way back to it's January. Why are we kind of talking about this? It does require some, some you know, basic or minor planning. Um, but if the goal is to... <laughs> Like we keep saying, look at your grocery grocery bill and replace some of that. You know, it's the monetary aspect. If we're, you know, to be first and foremost, it's the monetary aspect. But we also talk about the pride aspect and all of that. And it really is just better food. It tastes so freaking good and so much better than the grocery store. Don't get me started on you know cucumbers in January in Missouri. It's just not the same. Um, yeah. So okay. We've kind of talked about where to start your grocery bill, what 
you also have to take into account how many people you have in your family, not just, and you kind of touched on that, how much are you going to grow? Are you going to grow more for, to give away or to donate by you grow, grow for your family first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then set a realistic goal. Like you look at, look at how much you use. You're looking at your grocery bill, trying to replace some of those things, but you also then have to look at your space. It has, they have to match up. It has to be a very symbiotic relationship. Yeah. I invite you, if, if you're trying to set some lofty goals, I invite you to, visit an episode Mandy and I recorded last season with regard to small space growing because we talk a lot about vertical growing and even if you have a massive amount of garden space that's going to be relevant when you're trying to be self-sufficient trying to replace a few things from the grocery store it's going to be a lot different than trying to be self-sufficient um people okay it's so funny so I looked up I was trying to find numbers people really like numbers mm-hmm. how much space do you actually need to support your own family for a year of food. And people were raging when they saw that vegetarians, according to this, it's a repetitive stat I found from some author. I'm sorry, I can't remember it right now. But it said vegetarians require 4,400 square feet of growing space per person for one year of fruits and vegetables. And omnivores only required 200 square feet of growing space per person. And I had posted that uh, on my Instagram account and, and people were raging about that. They were really mad. They were like, well, just cause I eat doesn't mean I don't eat all these vegetables. Okay, fine. You know, that's great. I know. I know. No one's saying you don't eat all the fruits and vegetables. What I'm saying is obviously if you are, are relying heavily yeah. on your garden to sustain you, um, you're probably not eating as many eggs. You're probably not eating as much cheese and meat and no big deal. Grow as much as you want. It's all, it all comes down to the garden size that you have available to you, whether or not you're willing to grow indoors on window boxes, um, on trellises, what have you. So again, the stat that I found, don't rage, is 4,400 square feet of growing space per person to sustain you for one year of food per person. 200 square feet of growing space per person for omnivores. Adjust as needed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those are very different. Um, I guess numbers or statistics, if you will. Um, but that's not, that's not set in stone, but it is true. It's like, what are you relying on? It goes all the way back to what are you trying to replace from the grocery store? What are you trying, you know, the monetary, what are you trying to cut down a little bit? I mean, we could throw numbers at you all day. How many, you know, how much corn should you grow per person if you want to replace it? I mean, it's not, it's not a set in stone type of uh, situation, but you have to kind of think about the square footage. You have to kind of think about all of these things as you prep and plan. Um, another thing I really want to point out is, and we've kind of talked about it too a little bit in our gardening plan and our shift is we see a lot, you know, social media and, and the community and, and whatever. There are there literally are thousands of things that you can grow, right? Like yeah. so many different things. Um, I encourage you to have fun with gardening, right? It's a giant experiment. And also I also encourage you to grow what you are going to eat, consume and need. Um, you know, if this is truthfully a goal to be, you know, the, the money and replacing the grocery store trips and all of that, don't grow things for a photo, 
maybe it's an unpopular opinion. I'm not saying don't have fun and grow fun things, but if you are limited on space or time or resources or whatever it is, grow things that are truthfully going to benefit you at your, at your kitchen, at your dinner table. For sure. Yeah. So I think that some people like when we, we sort of read or say the things that are in our show notes, because they might not have time to go to the show notes. So Mandy, maybe we'll just run through the list, the recommendations. Again, no one is handcuffing you to these quantities. Adjust as needed. No need for hate mail. If you really love your asparagus and we're telling you to grow less, do what's good for you. So just based on Farmer's Almanac, recommendation for asparagus, five to 10 plants per person. Bush beans, 12 to 15 plants per person. Again, this is for a general guide for a year supply of food. Beets, 15 to 30 plants per person. Cucumbers. Oh, go ahead. A lot of these things, you are succession planning, right? So yeah, you can succession plan. I know we might kind of touch on that just a little bit as you go through this. And this is very helpful, I think, to to verbally say all these out loud. But um, like you said, adjust. But also succession plant. Succession plant, and then you can have more yield and less space. Yep, yep. cucumbers and the other thing is for example like on cucumbers i'm reading our list that's in the show notes it'll say like one plant for every two feet of row what that means is for every two feet of space in your raised bed box in your garden row you're only going to do one plant because that's that you're going to let it sprawl you're going to let it do its thing so cucumber one vine or two bushes because there's different varieties you can get bushing cucumbers you can get vining cucumbers carrots try to do 48 plants, 48 carrots per person. Mandy, you want to take over? Yeah. Corn. And this, we, we kind of talked about this all the way back when we talked about seeds. So some of these are a little bit different and it will be beneficial to listen to the previous episodes, but corn, 10 to 15 plants per person. Um, corn's a little bit different in the way that it's pollinated. So you're going to plant in like a block type of situation, eggplant, two to three plants per person. I will interject here too. If we're saying something and you're like, ew, I'm never going to eat that. Great. Obviously, like we keep saying, don't grow it. And um, I don't like eggplant. Casey loves eggplant. So I'm like, okay, I'll grow you too. Because I don't want to eat it. I'm going to replace it with beans because we eat beans every single night, it seems like. Um, Kale, two to seven plants per person. Um, Leaf lettuce, 24 plants. Great. If you're us, it's going to be way more than that because we will eat lettuce every single day while we can. Every day. Babe. Every day we'll have a salad. <laughs> um, melon, one to two plants per person. Onion, 12 to 20 sets. If you notice, like, for example, with onion and garlic and those types of things, if you're cooking with it every day, bump that up. Okay, bump it up. Peas, 15 to 20 plants. Another thing that you can absolutely succession plant with great peas. Um, and little effort, uh, peppers, three to five is going to depend on if you're talking about like a bell or, you know, something that's hot, they're going to grow a little bit different in regards to how much you're going to get from each plant. Um, potatoes, 10 plants per person, um, or one plant per foot of row. So, uh, potatoes are a little bit different, kind of like your corn is because they're planted just a little bit different. 
um, radishes, 10 to 15 plants per person. These are another great example of a fast growing crop that can be succession planted or interplanted. Uh, spinach, 30 to 60 plants. So that seems crazy, but spinach doesn't actually give you a large yield. One plant True. spinach is, I mean, um, so it, it all goes back to, if you, if you can just kind of wrap your brain around this, right? You hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, 30 to 60 plants is going to take up a ton of space. Go to the store and get a bag of spinach, uh, you know, organic or not. It's not cheap. It's not cheap because the plant doesn't yield a lot. So well, and it bolts so fast. It does bolt so fast. Yeah. So, I mean, these things that we're saying are definitely related to the cost of food and the cost of growing. And then, you know, obviously the grocery store and all of that nonsense. Um, mm -hmm. Squash, one to two plants per person. Squash is just very, it yields a lot most of the time. Tomato, two to four plants, another large yielding crop. Um, yeah. So you don't need a ton uh, unless you want a ton. <laughs> Uh, zucchini, one to two plants, kind of same with squash. Squash, you're going to have large, large yields, and um, a lot of times, actually, with those, you will get what we call like a, a bumper crop. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we kind of, or potentially, we have some notes in there about about bumper crops, and you know, even like right now, um, something like kale. Uh, a lot of a lot of people can grow it year round or it will come back or it, it will grow into like the depths of winter. Um, so it's just, it's, it's learning all of those things, learning your environment, what works best. I mean, so many things go into gardening. Um, we are just here to hopefully really help um, achieve some goals and save you some money. For sure. We've got some links to some websites for further reading on this in the show notes. And there's a book I'll make sure to link as well. I'll try to remember. It's called The Postage Stamp Garden. And it is incredible. That book explains how much food you can harvest from a teeny tiny little garden. When you get into companion planting, succession planting, really getting all the bang that you can for your buck in terms of real estate in your garden you can harvest a lot without, you don't, you don't, we're not talking about growing rows and rows of, you know, like hoop houses and like large scale agriculture here. This is, this is attainable, you all. Yeah. Um, so I will, I will link to that book for sure. I do want to touch on succession planting because we've mentioned that a couple times. If you're new to the gardening world and unfamiliar. So succession planting means I, for example, if I have a, a garden bed and I'm going to grow cilantro. I'm not going to cast all my cilantro seeds at once and fill up the bed and just have it all available to harvest at once because I can really only eat so much cilantro or preserve mm -hmm. it at once, right? So the idea behind succession planting is, okay, it's a little more work, but if I only sow four rows of cilantro this week and next week, maybe I sow two or maybe in two weeks, I sow four more or two more and you continuously sow seeds over time, the idea is you're staggering your harvest. Yeah. And so when the, when the first batch of cilantro is ready to harvest that you sowed a long time ago, the other little sprouts are just coming up. And the idea is you're really just sort of spreading out the fruit of your labor. 
that's what succession planting is. And I'll interject too there. Um, it is more work. And also I could argue it's less work too. Mm. I mean, it's more work at the time. Like, however, if you do, you know, 30 bean plants because you eat it all the time, you're going to have to harvest those all at the same time. You're going to have to preserve them all at the same time. And so it's kind of just um, working smarter, not harder, just spreading out that work. Um, spreading out that fresh, that fresh produce. So you don't, you're not like overwhelmed one weekend and you're like, Oh, the only thing I can do right now is preserve. If you spend all this time and money and effort growing it, you don't want it to go to waste. So you're going to do something with it. So succession planning is, I mean, yeah, it is. It's the way to go. It is more work up front, less work on the tail end. For sure. Yeah. And then if you're feeling defeated because you're really hoping to sort of grow more than you're feeling like you can after this conversation, again, check out that book, The Postage Stamp Garden, but also just think about um, perennial plants that don't need to be, mm-hmm. or even some annuals that don't need to be in the garden. Orchard plants, those aren't in the garden. Berry patches, you know, like um, strawberries, but specifically raspberries, blackberries, you, those spread. You wouldn't want those in your garden beds to begin with. Pumpkins are huge and sprawling, and I recommend growing them in or around your compost heap. Get those out of the garden. But then there's things like asparagus, potatoes, garlic, onions, elderberry. Those are all deer-resistant crops. And I know some people have um, more pressure from deer than others, and maybe deer resistance is a myth. But, I mean, experiment. Move things out. If you want to sort of save that prime real estate, that those amended beds, that soil for more tender annual crops, you can grow a lot outside of your garden. Yep. Yep. Grow things in, in pots on your porch. It all goes back to, you know, hopefully we kind of set, set you up for some um, success. And when we are talking about all this, you know, um, in, in depth, more planning, if you re-listen to some things that we've already talked about, it's going to help you here. And there are so many options to grow your own food. Mm-hmm. Um, we just want you to have fun with it, but we also want you to be very successful with it. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So with that, if you're hellbent on growing all your food for your family, take our list. It's in the show notes. We read it out loud here. If you didn't have time to grab a notebook, no worries. It's all typed up for you. Check the show notes out. Start with those recommendations. Go ahead and grow 12 to 15 bush beans per person. Adjust it as needed next year. Uh, but hopefully the list that we've provided you with the planting methods that we've offered here are going to be a helpful start to being more self-sustainable and sufficient when it comes to your food supply. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Welcome back. We are so excited to have you for season two. We will be back next episode. Uh, we got lots of good stuff in store this season. We're going to be talking about permaculture. We're going to be touching on bees. I think we're bringing up sourdough with the queen, Mandy here. Um, We have so much goodness coming your way. Thank you for being here and for joining us. We will see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at Axe and Root Homestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. 
We'll see you next time.